Hi, my name's Mona, and you're listening to Modern Careers. The podcast about the endless options available to you today to shape your own career path. I'm going to chat to inspiring people from tech entrepreneurs to creative freelancers and everything in between about how they got to a stage in their working life that lots of people dream of, but not many actually reach. Having a career you love instead of a job that pays the bills. You're listening to episode number four. If you haven't listened to episode zero to three, then you can go back and learn all about how to develop your own app and start a tech business with your best friend straight after graduating, what it's like to go from working for no other than Jamie Oliver to producing your own dessert range, and all about how to make it in the film production industry. Today, I'm chatting to Harrison, who has gone back and forth working as a freelancer in the graphic design industry about all things creative careers and what it's like to pave your way through the competitive world of design and branding. Harrison has got a really special story. He's worked hard to make a name for himself and his branding company, having to overcome a range of challenges in his career so far. Other than my previous guests, who were in some ways pulled into entrepreneurship and freelance, Harrison was pushed in that direction when the first company he worked for after studying architecture announced they were going to close the office in Bristol. So they actually closed our office in Bristol and shipped us off to Cardiff, which was a sort of hub office. Um, so it meant commuting three hours a day <laughs> to get to Cardiff and back. Um, so the shutting of the offices initially was quite a shock. It kind of came out of nowhere, really, um, just at the start, you know, start of the recession. Um, so then I worked at the office in Cardiff for three months-ish, um, and then they stopped paying for all our transport costs, which just meant that I was on less money than I was even before when I was working close to home. So it just got to a point where I still wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I wasn't being let into the interior design department at Cardiff and travel costs just went through the roof. So I kind of just was so unhappy that I had to hand in my notice and say enough's enough, I'll have to find something else. Harrison decided he needed to take another route to get to a stage where he was happy with what he was doing. Self-reflection and evaluation is an incredibly important step in the career. Once you stop evaluating whether what you do is still what you want to be doing, you lose control over where your career is heading. You'll hear during the whole interview how Harrison kept on working to stay in control, no matter the challenge. But when you do decide to take the step and leave somewhere, what's next? I've got back from the, my last day at the office uh, in Cardiff and managed to write off my car on the way home. So yeah, that was a great day. Uh, and after that, of course, it was just like, great. Now what the hell do I do? Um, so I thought, try and you know go on LinkedIn and find other recruitment companies that are good for my field, uh, and just try and hit them up as often as I could and try and get back out there as quickly as possible. And that worked. Uh, after a while, yeah, same process again as when I moved to Bristol. But uh, luckily, I found a company that I got quite friendly with the main uh, department head for the industry, and yeah, he ended up getting me a couple of gigs contracting which worked out well. So um, just for people outside the, the industry, what kind of things were you doing back then? Um, then I was using the skills I'd pretty much learned at the Cardiff office, what I'd been asked to do, which was 3D modelling, um, 
drafting, producing the sort of uh, sales, well not sales, more client facing drawings, um, which aren't specific architecture drawings, they're more of a, an example of what the finished article might look like. Um, so I was producing a lot of that, um, and that's pretty much what I went into doing, more artistic, representat representative type style of design. So Harrison had found his feet again in a new job. Happy ending, right? Not for someone who's constantly on the look to challenge himself and become even more fulfilled by their job. Uh, yeah, I think it was on a lunch break at one of the last contracts I did. Um, and again, I was producing more and more of the more graphic style of uh, presentations um, during this contract. And I thought, why don't I just do this for a job? You know, why not? expand and do other things that I quite liked. I've always been interested in logos and corporate identity and that sort of stuff. So I thought, well, why don't I look up online and see if there's any courses in Bristol that I could do. So he started studying again, this time at the University of West England. But becoming a student again after working for a few years, that isn't easy financially. So Harrison continued working on the side. Being able to pay the bills wasn't the only reason, though, he stayed in touch with his contacts. I was still doing the odd jobs, obviously, to, to help pay for the degree. Um, I was still advertising, still doing pretty much the same stuff I was doing before, contracting, but for smaller clients, um, for friends that were still in the industry, etc. as like an overflow. Don't, don't ever burn any bridges, uh, if it's at all feasible, because you never know further down the line when your life sort of road uh, takes a turn that you don't expect, and all of a sudden, you know, you can rely on the people that you wouldn't normally think you would. Um, they know people themselves and you go, oh, you know, through LinkedIn or social media and go, oh, I know such and such, we'll put you in touch. And then so many of my friends now are in, you know, quite high power jobs, which back in the day they got through friend of a friend of a friend. So yeah, just don't, don't be ashamed of being in that position and then don't be ashamed of being you know, asking for help, really. Or... So he finished his second degree and found himself in a position of looking for work again in the field of graphic design this time. But how do you decide which projects to take on and where to specialise? I think in this specific industry, it's very much down to your knowledge of software. Um, and within that, the different sort of sectors of graphics, you know, you've got packaging or branding or uh, marketing, you know, collateral, that sort of stuff. So if you've got a passion for one, which for me was branding, then that was a core kind of substance to look for in the advert. Um, but again, it depends on how picky you want to be or how much you want to push yourself. Would you ever, um, um, sorry, what's the word? Um, say if there, it was a project you really, really wanted to do and you know you know could, would look great in your portfolio but maybe didn't pay as well as other things, would you, what's the word, you know, trade that, trade off that? Very much so. Um, the key is always going to be getting as much experience across the board as possible so that if you do end up wanting to go for a specific job, you know, you've got the evidence um, and the designs to back it up. Um, obviously experience is always going to be key in whatever job you go for, but um, definitely try and push yourself, even if it's not something you like to do, um, which of course no one likes to be pushed into things they don't like doing, but yeah, just try and get as much experience as possible. And if that's something you, you know, find an interest in, then even better. Have you had a time at all, I mean, I don't know how, how much that is a thing in the industry, but with contractors, you know, with people, with clients paying late, um, you have you having to follow them up, that kind of thing? Uh, pretty much 95% of all clients will need to be chased, unfortunately. Um, bigger companies seem to be worse, actually, in my experience, um, just because they're payroll systems. Um, 
and of course, bigger companies have more personnel and yeah, a load of other factors. But I'd say 95% of the time, unfortunately, you're having to at least give clients a nudge and go, hello, remember me? Actually, that's actually a question I think that's quite important. With the rates, I mean, especially if you make an offer to someone, I mean, because I mean, I don't know how in England how much you talk with uh, with other contacts about you know what what they take that kind of thing. Like, what, how do you know how how high to value yourself? That's a really good question, actually, um, and it's one I've only recently, you know, all these years down the line, felt more comfortable with. Um, and I guess I can only really rely on my own experience with this one. Um, I started really low, uh, like when you're a student. I talked to my tutors a lot with what your time was worth and. They said, you know, maybe £15 an hour, £10 an hour for a project. And then the more experience you get, the more you can prove to a client that you know what you're doing. And the outcome for that project is even better quality. So I think the more you can produce, the higher the quality, the more experience you get. And it's a kind of a, you know, a, building, a building ground for it. Um, and I think in the end, I think you test the waters for some projects when you're trying to get a footing for it and go, okay, this is what I think this project's worth or this is what I think my time is worth. And if the clients, you know, three in a row say, come back and say, no, it's too expensive, then you know you're probably aiming a bit too high at that point. I mean, how about, let's say you did the project for a client um, and it's a year later and you actually, because you've got more experience, you're raised a bit more. I mean, how is it with existing clients who know, oh, but a year ago, that was your quote? Yeah, I had that a couple of times. Um, most most companies, if you've got a long st- long term, you know, standing with them, they're actually okay. They understand obviously inflation rates um, and that your experience is that much more. So you can obviously offer a few more services which they may need, which is you know, where they well they're happy to pay a bit extra. We touched on two really important subjects here: a valuing yourself and your time, and reflecting that in your hourly rates being brave enough to raise that value over time as you gain experience. Whereas this is harder when you first start off, Harrison says it becomes easier over time. A few tips. Number one, if you are a graduate, make the best use of the career center at your university. They often have ideas on where to start, and if they don't, they surely know who to refer you to. Number two, have a Google about how much people in your field with your experience tend to make. Important is to include your location, as it differs from country to country and even from city to city. Use different sources and you should get a good picture. Number three, LinkedIn has a feature called Salary Insights. You enter your salary at a specific moment in time and get back the average of what people have entered for similar jobs in the past. Number four, network and become part of the community. Having like-minded people around you who do similar things can not only be a great support system, but also a source of useful industry information. In the end, you're likely to face similar clients. Undervaluing yourself does not help other freelancers, so it's important to communicate with peers if you can. Number five. Lastly, and maybe most importantly, test the water. As Harrison said, after a few offers and negotiations, you'll get a feeling for what clients are willing to pay and you get more confident valuing yourself. You'll be able to spot if an offer is significantly lower than previous ones and can then use your experience to negotiate. Finding new projects, negotiating salary, chasing clients up to get paid again, while not getting any of the benefits of permanent employees. That is a cycle that can be exhausting and can let people wonder, would things be easier in a full-time job again? So you did some um, contracting jobs and then you did get a a job again, 9 to 5 job. Can we get onto that one? And um, yeah, so so when did you decide you needed a a full-time 
nine to five type of thing again? Or, or how did it happen? I think because it was so difficult. I think for six months I was still applying for full-time jobs um, and it was just so difficult. Um, the contract stuff was, it was a means to an end again at the time. Um, the money wasn't great, but it was okay. But again, you can't, you didn't have the security. You didn't um, have that knowledge of, okay, this, mo this month I've got X amount of money. So, you know, you don't have to think about it. You have to just hoard all your money because you never know when the next contract's going to come around. And I think that really got to me uh, for a bit. The stress was quite high on that. Um, so I was continually looking for a full-time job. Um, and then this one, yeah, this one turned up, which I got after a second round of interviews. Um, what kind of job? Uh, it was for a signage company uh, in Bristol. Uh, again, not exactly my sort of area that I wanted to get into, uh, but they had a creative studio. Um, I actually mistook the advert for a sort of junior role, which I knew I was not a junior anymore. Um, but I just thought, you know, a full-time job at the time is going to be better than nothing. So it turns out my second round of interviews that they actually wanted me to manage the design team. Um, so, I, yeah, I said, yeah, of course. And then, yeah, tell me about your, your first day there or your, your first month there, actually. Um, what, what did it feel like, again, going into um, a similar place every day? I felt great having a routine again, and it felt really nice to be sort of part of a, a grounded team, you know, an established workplace, an established company. Um, managing people was interesting. That's not something I'd ever really done uh, or something I thought I would really ever do. Um, so I found myself doing a lot more sort of admin than, you know, sort of people, looking after people rather than actually doing any design work, which is eventually why I didn't really want to stay there. I mean, contracting work, you're really a boss for yourself. How would you say, how good of a boss are you to yourself or to other people? And how does that compare? <laughs> um, I'd say I'm a boss to myself. I'm quite hard. Uh, I'm my own worst client. I think every designer is their own worst client. Um, but I'm always pushing myself. Nothing they produce is ever good enough. Um, so I'm always trying to beat myself, if that makes any sense. Um, I think for a boss for the studio that I was in, I think it was okay. I, I managed it. You know, it was not something I particularly enjoyed. Um, like I said, the only reasons being because it took me away from sort of frontline design work, um, which is what I'm best at. So... It was okay. I don't think they'd have they had any complaints, at least none that I heard of. Again, Harrison kept on reevaluating. Am I enjoying what I do? Here is important to note: no one loves their job all the time. Work is work at the end of the day. But at the core of it, do you enjoy the tasks you do and the role you play? Am I the best I could be? Slash, does my job really make use of all my skills? And where do I want to be in my future career? There's an unwritten rule that you should do this type of thing every 18 months because that's how long it takes for most people to master a new job, responsibilities and to start to seek out new challenges and opportunities. Being brutally honest to yourself is important here. Voicing unhappiness to yourself is the first step to enable change. Looking back now, you know, all this back and forth from um, working in a company full time, going contracting, going full time. Would you say? Would you? Would you recommend? Do you, would you think that kind of journey is necessary to get where you are now, or would you recommend to people um, to stick with one thing, maybe longer, earlier? I think that entirely depends on the individual and personal circumstances. Uh, like I said, you know, I was fortunate enough to have an income from renting out my house at the time, so in that regard, the pressure was off slightly, which meant I could kind of 
try and find my feet in different avenues until I could become a bit more stable and happy with what I was doing. Um, but again, like I said, I think it really depends on your personal circumstances. If you're in a position where you can't physically, you know, financially drop a job, even if you're really unhappy, then it might take that much longer to, you know, stick it out to try and find the job that you really want to do. How how do you do you think you were trying to be different from or stand out from the crowd of designers? I think in this case I focused on what had become my main love and still is, which was the the branding and logo design sort of sector. Um, so in producing my portfolio um, and all my marketing materials, that was very heavily based on that sort of design work. Um, again, it's not necessarily unique per se in a way of it being done, but I tried to put in as many designs of the highest quality possible to then obviously apply for jobs where branding would be a, a big thing to do. Now that you've worked with um, branding for so long, if you look at people, other, just brands all around you, do you, are you really conscious of them, hate some of them, and um, what do you think makes a good branding? Oh uh, yeah, very guilty of that. It drives my wife crazy because whenever we're on the motorway, I always look at the haulage companies or, you know, the builders' vans, etc. and they go, oh, it makes me cringe because it could be so much better. Um, yeah, it's a guilty pleasure of mine, I, I suppose, but it's just because the design mind is always churning over, you can't help but take reference from everything around you in good, both good and bad. Um, I think what makes good brand is pretty much how I tried to describe earlier on, you know, it's, it's got to evoke the company sort of ethos. It's got to evoke quality, um, consistency, um, and sort of, you know, be upstanding for what the company represents, uh, as well as being visually identifiable from all sorts of media and from, you know, as far away as possible um, so that people obviously in, gets instilled in their mind, you know, and people identify with it. Do you have a favourite um, one that you think is just a genius, genius branding idea? Uh, I always liked the FedEx logo, I must admit, just because it's, I kind of got a lot of experience from learning about them and if you look at the FedEx logo I don't know if it's something that people actually even notice uh, it's actually got a hidden arrow in between the E and the X in negative space next time you see one of the vans or you see one of the packages look at the there is a negative space arrow there's a white arrow in the middle uh, which is just so clever that okay maybe some people don't notice but I'm just trying to picture it yeah <laughs> next time you look at it you'll see it and that's all you then be able to see um, <laughs> But I actually do a lot of hidden meanings in a lot of the identities I create, and I think they were the catalyst for that. I know what you're thinking. An arrow and the FedEx logo? Before moving on, I'll give you some time to give it a Google. Three, two, one, go. So Harrison had found his niche and started to take on more and more projects in that area. But when is the time to trade under a company name rather than as a freelancer? I think, I suppose it's a transitional phase of when you no longer become a contractor working for other companies when you start getting jobs on for yourself and you become the boss you know you kind of go right well I can provide all of these services and I will manage that uh, and then outsource to other people so like a signage company or you know someone that wants a vehicle wrap you know you have to go to them and go this is what my client wants manage the whole project from start to finish really I think once you start doing that 
and earning a certain amount, I think, is when you need to become, if for nothing else, your own peace of mind in your head. Um, is when you need to become a company in inverted commas. I don't know how much you could talk about this, but how come you're doing a rebrand and and how, how where's it going and that kind of thing? The personal company one. Um, I think lessons learned, uh, which were to do your research if you want to choose a company name. Make sure there's not a company elsewhere with the same name, uh, which I probably didn't do a thorough enough search. And there's actually a company up north with the same name, um, which I'm sure I've been sending clients to. <laughs> um, so, and it doesn't really, identity for that doesn't really suit the way the company's going now. So it's taken me six months to redraw that and get the, you know, the whole um, feel, the new feel for the company all on paper. From jobless, to contractor, to student, to contractor, to full-time employee, to freelancer, to owning his own company. What a journey. It's incredibly stressful, as I'm sure any um, business owner will tell you, especially when you're a small business. Um, so you do have to expect and manage that. And yes, every job, even full-time one, has stresses that you'll put, you know, put upon you. Um, I wouldn't say there's any more or less stress when you work for yourself, it's just in a different way. Because of course, okay, you get paid for projects and then you move on to the next one or you're doing three or four in a row. But you never know when, you know, after those are done, unless you're incredibly lucky and incredibly good at what you do, you never know when the next ones are going to come along. So you can't keep spending all the money you earn on the, on the go. You always have to have a backup and a pot of money for weathering the storm, so to say, if it went really quiet. Um, which is, yeah, if you've got a family especially, you know, it's even more stressful. Um, but then again, in this, in this time in the employment world, there is no job security. Uh, I had this argument with friends the other day, you know, who were just laid off, just off the cuff. You know, no, no rhyme or reason, no warning. And they've been companies, you know, 10, 15 years. So just look at it on the flip side, you know, at least you've got some control and some power over your own fate rather than thinking that a job is for life because nowadays it just isn't. You know, don't give up, um, is be realistic with your expectations of working for yourself. Um, you're not going to be an overnight millionaire, um, but if, like I said, if you have a passion for what you do, you will be good at what you do. Um, so try and let that feed your driving force. Um, if you're just out to make money, then... I think you need to reevaluate what you want to do with life. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong. Just saying, you know, that if some people, that's their driving force. Other people want to do a good job with what they do. And sometimes they work hand in hand. And that's, that's great. But that's a very small percentage. Um, so, yeah, I think my advice would be manage your own expectations. Starting from your, starting from scratch, starting your own company takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes a toll. And it does take money, um, but it's always worth it, you know. And even if it, even if the worst comes to the worst and it doesn't work out, then you can look back and go, you know what? I gave it my absolute best, and I couldn't have asked any more from myself. And you know, circumstances dictate it doesn't work. Then you can pat yourself on the back and go, you know what? I tried. So, how about one piece of advice that you're happy you didn't take in retrospective? Uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't just stick with a job I hated 
<laughs> because it was a job uh, and just having a job uh, I suppose for some generations is you winning and you being a proper adult and a proper human being whereas I don't think that's really true anymore um, you know if you can have a lifestyle funded by by you know, Instagram for example then you know times have changed um, so I'm glad I didn't just keep on slogging at a job I hated and get more and more miserable and jaded and yeah horrible so please take that last piece of advice Harrison gave here don't settle in a position that you're not happy in. there's always another opportunity on the horizon it might be better it might be worse but it will definitely bring you closer to the stage where you found your niche except that it might take time and will be a journey and I hope you can take Harrison's one as an inspiration to keep on reevaluating, because it's always worth it. And if you end up starting your own company, here's where you can find Harrison if you need some really good branding. Uh, yeah, it's www.brandishgraphics.com or info at brandishgraphics.com. Um, we produce uh, branding, signage, marketing collateral, uh, 3D visuals, 3D modeling, uh, furniture design, interior design, any sort of design you can kind of imagine. Uh, custom artwork, um, yeah, pretty much anything you can envisage that you want created, we can do that for you. Furniture design? Oh yeah. Oh, amazing. Can you tell me about one thing, one thing you, you, you did that you, I don't know, one project, one, one furniture project that you, you, you did? I'm just like interested uh yeah uh, built-in wardrobes that were completely custom you know tvs that slide out uh hidden storage with like lift up mirrors a uh, load of leds type sort of um luxury bits and bobs kitchen islands and bespoke chairs um bespoke beds really wide range of things that you do yeah, yeah pretty much anything really from a new brand to a inbuilt wardrobe uh yeah thank you very much uh, thank you Bernard. I'll speak to you soon. Bye.